0: Let's turn to 1 Peter, and we're going to be taking up at verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 12 one more time. This is our last time through this four-part series in the first paragraph of 1 Peter. And so um, we're going to go for it one more time. But you know what? If you're going to reread a section of Scripture four times, this is a great one to do it with, isn't it? So join with me as we read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into." Father, we just thank you so much for this, your word. Lord, for the incredible blessing, the encouragement of this word. Lord, there is a reality, Lord, and we know it, that we're sinners, Lord, that we know that we, we need those uh, strong corrections sometimes. But, Lord, there are times in our lives, Lord, and, and now it must be one of them because here we are, where we need that gentle, just encouragement that buildup, that reminder of the joy, the reminder of the hope, the reminder of the great love that you have for your people. And so, Lord, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for encouraging our souls, Lord, for stirring us up with your word. And, Lord, I do pray that you would stir us up, Lord, that our, our hearts and our souls would not be idle, that they wouldn't be still like a pond with no wind on it. But, Lord, we pray that you would just stir up our hearts, Lord, that you would churn us up inside, that we would not be able to just sit and remain idle, but Lord, that our hearts would be active, that our souls would be longing and pining for you and longing and pining, Lord, for the lost. Lord, move in our hearts. Change us, Lord, we pray, for that is why we are here. For if we are left on our own, Lord, then we above all people are most miserable. But Lord, if you come, if eternity touches this mortal world and these finite hearts, then, Lord, all glory be and the heavens could not contain our joy and our rapture. And so, Lord, we come before you now with expectant ears, desiring to hear from you. Please speak, Lord, for your people are listening. And we come before you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a way to start a paragraph. Um, as we've gone through this text a few times, you guys know that that word blessed, it, it takes different meanings depending on uh, what the context is. And what we have here, the the context being pointed from us towards God, it means Worthy to be praised, inherently worthy to be praised. Now, see, no, nobody else can be said of that. No, nobody else can say, oh, you know what, Walt, he is inherently worthy to be praised. You know, he's a smart guy. He, he always knows everything that's going on you know, in the world. You know, he's got the cool radio station that picks up Hebrew stations and everything. It's like rad. Like, we're, you know, so no, 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 no. Or, or you could say, hey, you know what, worthy to be praised is Jared Stratton because he could do backflips off of a car. It's really neat. And, and kids get psyched out on it. Yeah, you, we we can do all these different things. We we can say these things, but like you know what? In the end, nobody is inherently worthy to be praised. Nobody. And you think, oh well, you know what about Trinity? She, you know she she was an amazing. No 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 no, no the 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 greatness in Trinity was Jesus Christ and Him alone. You know, Trinity was just a little girl, right? You, you look at Sarah Jane's like, well Sarah Jane, she if, if anyone is could surpass Trin, it was certainly Sarah Jane. It's like no no she she's wicked too. Yeah, you know, I, I I can promise you that. You know, I don't even need to say anything about uh, Chloe. Come on now. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, you know, in the end, nobody meets that criteria. It is God and God alone. He is the one who is worthy to be praised. And uh, th- there's lots of reasons uh, for us to praise him. Number one is just who he is. But part of who he is, is he is merciful, you know, that, that is part of his character. You know, he looks upon us, sinful men, sinful women, and he doesn't just like, grind us like this. He doesn't stick his thumb on us like you know, a, a mean little boy with ants. You know, he, he doesn't sit there and take a magnifying glass and torch us for fun. You know, that, that's not his heart. That's not what he does. But he is abundant in mercy. That means it's stockpiled. His mercy is piled up. It is literally just stacked up if you 've ever seen like those hoarding shows on on Discovery Channel or anything like that, and you see how everything 's just piled up well that 's god 's mercy you got the visual right it 's like crammed in there it 's like you 've got to like scoot through the aisles like this because the mercy is falling down on you you 're stepping in it you 're all around you 're just surrounded by that that mercy. And that mercy has been revealed to us in a living hope. We don't have a dead hope. We don't have a dead faith like people who who worship, you know, like, you know, in like the Chinese food places. You see the little plastic guys. Um, I, I saw this. There, there's this Chinese food place that I go to every once in a while and they had a, a green one, uh, you know, and he's really, you know, he's overweight. He's eating too much. They're putting too many wontons in front of him. Right. And he's really big. And I guess he wasn't doing it. He just wasn't like doing what he was supposed to do. He wasn't blessing them with, uh, with you know, favor and stuff like that. People weren't coming and buying stuff, want, you know, lots of wontons and such. And so what they did, they, they replaced him. Well, they kept him there, but they, they got his older brother. And so then they got a gold plastic one. And it has like little rhinestones on it and everything. And there's like more food in front of him. Like, please, that's his little offering. But you know, he must already be full because he's not eating any of it. It's just sitting there, right? So now they've got two of them. They've got two of these plastic idols sitting there. As like, really, in the end, it's like, if you knock on that thing, it's hollow. If you turn it upside down, there's nothing inside. It's empty, just like their hope. Their hope in that thing is an exact representation of their actual hope. There is no hope. There is no hope in any other name, right? There is no hope besides Jesus Christ. Because every other teacher, every other person who claimed to have authority, over life, over spirituality, over these things, every single one of them died. And every single one of them, their bodies decayed, and the worms ate them, and their bones are left, and eventually even their bones deteriorate. Every single one of them. Not one of them was able to come back and say, See, I told you, I was right. Jesus and Jesus alone. We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that living hope is one of the most provable facts of ancient history. Okay? You don't have to believe me. That's what the Smithsonian said. Okay, They probably took that off of their website by now, but nevertheless, they did say it. I remember it. I saw it. And so they said it, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And if you're curious about those reasons, then if you're listening online, you can call me and I'd be happy to tell you. But for you guys, if you want to know what those reasons are, uh, talk to me after the service. I'd be happy to share them with you. It's, It's actually very logical. But not only do we have the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he has authority over death, but beyond that, he has an inheritance waiting for us. Right? We as we struggle through this life as as we walk as we try to walk in in godliness and righteousness. You know, there's you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been at work and you're just like working, working, working. And it's like, what do you think? You're thinking about lunch, right? It's like, oh, I can't wait till lunch. Sometimes there's days like that where you're just like, I just can't wait till lunch because like I'll finally just get just relax. You know, the stress of the job, I can set it aside for a few minutes. Maybe turn on K Wave and, and listen to a Bible study and eat my sandwich that my wife made me and the whole bit. You know, you know, whatever. But it's like sometimes you like you're just desiring for that thing. Well, as we're trudging through this life, we have an inheritance waiting for us, and it's like sometimes like the, just the drudgery of, of this life feels so much better when we just stop for a second and think like oh gosh i wonder what the lord has stored up for me like i i can't even wait because see he knows how to to, to take like the, the the gold silver and precious stones out of the wood hay and stubble and even though like we might be, not be able to tell us like gosh you know the fir- all, the first like Thirty years of my life was pretty much wood hay and stubble, but the Lord's like, no, 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 no. I, I know how to I know how to refine it out. I I can find the smallest little bit of treasure even in the the most you know debased life. So you know, don't worry, he, He's got something for you, and I can promise you, you won't be disappointed. Whatever it is, any step of faith you have ever made in your life will be there in the form of some treasure waiting for you, and so um, it's something to rejoice in. Not only that, but You yourself are kept by the power of God until that day through your faith in him, right? His power is there keeping you. It is something that is, it's kind of like the tracks on Autotopia at Disneyland. It doesn't let you go too far to the left, doesn't let you go too far to the right, unless you really, really fight him against it. And now, I've never tried, but maybe if you turn really hard, you know, and and really fight it, maybe you can get those, derail one of those cars at Autopia, I don't know. But you have to really, really, really try really hard. And, you know, the same is true with the Lord. Not only that, but those hopes, those promises that we have of, you know, life after death the resurrection of jesus christ the inheritance and the keeping of us through our faith those things become a great comfort see because god is a comforter those things become a great comfort to us as we are going through the the greatest trials in our life when we go through the greatest most painful instances in our life his comfort is there it is with us. It, it is tangible. You can feel it. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Cause some of you have gone through very great trials. And when you're going through those great trials, it's like the Lord and, and his spirit, his presence, his comfort is there with you. And it is like a blanket. It is like this, this thing just, just holding you together. And so, so we praise him for that. And not only that, but then when we look at God's love, how is his love, uh, what, what was the greatest expression of his love? The salvation of our souls, right? So, so now we're, we're looking at God and his inherency, his, his worthiness to be praised, and, and we look at the very salvation of our souls. And we think, oh my goodness, yo, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you that much. Right? And, and so that's where we come to today. We've looked at this this list of God's abundant mercy. We've looked at this list of why God is worthy to be praised. Right? He is inherently... Now, now after just reading that, can you guys all agree, Can you all testify that God is worthy to be praised? Yeah. We sure can. It, it would be ungrateful for us not to. But now... I, I kind of come to this place when I look at these uh, last few verses. what now? what now? We have these truths we have we have these amazing promises for us, but how does that meet us here this evening? What do we do with it? because you know we're all sitting here in the same room in the same chairs, we just listen to the same music, but What do we do with it? Well, I'd like to encourage you through the prophets of old and the angels themselves because uh, they, they jump into this story for us. Because tonight's study is on, okay, we have seen these great things, these amazing things of why God is worthy to be praised. So now tonight is application night. Tonight is the night where the rubber meets the road. Tonight is the night where you determine what do I do now what do i do now well i can tell you what the the prophets of old did look at verse 10 it said of this salvation now that this is this is building off of last week's study so the love of god shown in the salvation of your soul he says of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you And I like in verse 11, the very first word is searching. So now you've got three words, inquired, search carefully, and searching. They're all three different Greek words, and they pretty much mean the same thing. Uh, The first one, uh, the one inquired, it means to seek out, to search diligently for uh, anything that is lost. The second one, to search carefully, it just means to search out, explore, to search very diligently or carefully. And the third one means pretty much the same thing, to search out, to seek after, to, to, to not leave any stone unturned, to keep searching and seeking. So now listen to this. Uh, these prophets of old, right, look what they did. The salvation that was wrought for you and for me that was not made known, well, it was, it was made known in their time, but it wasn't anything that they were ever going to experience in their life. They weren't going to see the Messiah. The Messiah was not going to come in their time. And yet, what do we see of these guys? These guys who prophesied of these things, it says they searched diligently. Have you guys ever lost anything that was valuable? Okay, I, I've got some Olympic gold coins, the real gold like and they're like the size of um like the 50 cent pieces like the big ones like that and i can't find them and you guys got to know i i've torn apart i've torn apart my mom's garage i've looked in our garage i've looked i i've like really i still haven't found them i got to find them they're somewhere in it, i i think they're at my mom's house but i don't know where i i can't find them they're valuable you know how much gold is worth right now are you kidding me and it's, and these are collectible coins too so it's like you know i got to find these coins and you got to know like I, I was like up in the rafters i 'm getting dirty i 'm sweaty i 'm hot, i 'm moving every single thing around i 'm picking up books, i 'm opening up boxes i 'm trying to find these things i can 't find these things, okay? These prophets of old, who, knowing that these things weren 't for them and wasn 't for their time now, they, they would they would eventually get to it, you know uh, when Jesus later would come and die on the cross for them, and, and he would come into Hades into paradise abraham 's bosom, and, and he would he would set the captives free. But nevertheless, they, 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 they were curious, they were examining these things, they, they saw these promises that were still afar off, and what did they do? Did they sit and go, oh, well, it's not for me, it's not for my generation, so, eh, whatever, I'm just going to, I'm going to go about my day. Is that what they did? No, three times, three times in two verses, we see that they searched, they searched carefully, and they kept searching For These things they were looking into these things right the the, the prophets did not themselves see these things But they searched carefully to understand them They wanted to know because this is something that is incredible. This is something that is great What do you mean? God himself was going to come and not only that but he was going to um, He was going to die for us. He was going to bring this salvation this grace unto us They were astounded by it so they were looking at this grace that was to us and one of the first prophecies that really kind of gives a timeline of when it was going to come is uh, in the, the Daniel chapter 9 prophecy. Um, in Daniel chapter nine twenty five, 25, uh, the angel speaking to Daniel said, uh, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That is 69 weeks. And the street shall be built Again, in the wall, even in troublesome times. Now, those of you who are not familiar uh, with this prophecy, I've I've shared about it a little bit before. I'm not going to get hugely into it. But basically what you had is 483 years until the Messiah was going to come. There there was an event that was going to happen. The order to rebuild and restore not just the temple, but the wall of Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. Okay? And from that event... Exactly 483 years later, Messiah was going to come, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, Son of God, that guy, right? So there was a mathematical prophecy. Now, Daniel knew it wasn't for his time, right? This is 483 years off, and we're not even out of Babylon yet. Remember, we're going to be in here for 70 years. And so he's just chilling, going like this, and he's looking at it, but you know what? He was searching for these things. He knew they weren't for him, but still he was longing to understand. He was wanting to know, but the books were sealed up. He didn't have the information. He didn't know. And so he was waiting. He was waiting. He went to his grave with expectation in his heart, desiring, longing to see the things that you see and that I see this day right? That's what the prophets did. The prophets, they inquired, they searched, they prayed, they were seeking God, trying to understand. And not only that, they were probably looking at all of the other revealed texts, the other scriptures. they were probably looking through the Torah. They were looking for the prophets, the other prophets of their time. They were looking through, uh, like the Psalms and the Proverbs, you know, they, they wanted to know. And so they were searching diligently for these things. What were they searching for? Verse 11, it says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. See guys, this is something that has troubled the Jews for ever since the first prophecy of Messiah came out they've been troubled by this because there's all these prophecies of, they're, they're, they're almost contradictive because some of the prophecies of the Messiah were saying that he was going to be this great ruler that was going to sit upon the throne of David, that, that he would rule forever with an iron rod. Right, that, that, that he would overthrow any captors and, and that he would rule with righteousness. And so they, they had all of those promises and they were excited about those prophecies. But then there was also other prophecies that spoke to him as like this suffering servant who was going to be uh, beaten and rejected and despised. And they didn't know what to do with it. And so um, the prophets themselves, they, they being moved by the spirit of Christ himself, believed. They believed it. They didn't understand it, but they, 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 they looked into it. They wanted to know more. They, they were seeking it out because, I mean, think about this. The Christ, the Christ, the, the one who is Emmanuel, God with us, the one whose name is going to be Mighty Father, our Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? That same one, there are prophecies that he was going to be destroyed, that he was going to be cut off, that he was going to be nailed to a cross, His hands and his feet would be pierced. His tongue would cleave to the roof of his mouth. We'll get to that in just a little bit. All right. So what did they continue to do? They kept searching to find out what time, what manner of time that this was going to happen. They they were searching into the actual death of the Messiah. And not only that, but then the glories that would come as a result of that death. As as, uh, another part of the 70 weeks prophecy, uh, verse 26 of Daniel chapter 9 says, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. That means killed, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. You got to know that there was a lot of Jews. There was a lot of guys who absolutely ignored this prophecy right? They, they, they believed, oh, Shiloh's coming, Messiah's coming. And, you know, there's a time when he's supposed to be here. And uh, we know that the rod's not going to you know, part from, uh, from Judah until, until uh, you know, Shiloh comes. And, and you know, they believed all that kind of stuff. But the moment it talked about you know, that the Messiah was going to be cut off, and that the holy city was going to be trampled upon and desolations uh, were, were going to come. They're just like, yeah, right. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to take our temple. Nobody's going to destroy us. We're going to live forever. We're going to reign. Finally, we're going to throw off the shackles of Rome and we're going to rule again. Messiah is going to come and he's going he's to drive out those Gentile dogs. Right? That's what they believed. Yet they, they completely ignored this. And there was actually a time uh, because when Rome did finally come and they took away capital punishment from the nation of Israel... There was literally Pharisees and Sadducees who put sackcloth on themselves and, and they went walking through the street throwing dust on their heads because they said the word of God has failed. Why? Because the, the, the rod of, of uh, judging uh, passed from the, the nation of Israel, passed from Judah. The, the, the lawgiver, the power, the authority of government had been taken away and th- what they didn't understand was that there was a, a very small child a very small child named Jesus who had been born. And so in this prophecy it says that, that the, the power wasn't going to be taken. The, the staff, the, the rod of, of judgment wasn't going to be taken away from them until Shiloh comes. Shiloh had come. And so th- they were upset. They didn't know what to do with that. And yet then there was prophecies like this one in Daniel that they just completely ignored. If, if you sat there, if you went to a Jewish town, especially Jerusalem, you walk into the temple and you start telling them that the, Rome, the Roman uh, legions are going to come, they're going to wipe out the city and destroy everything, they'd stone you, right? They'd take you off the pinnacle of the, te- of the uh, temple, throw you down, and then they'd come down there and if you were still alive, they'd start hucking stones at you until you were dead. They, they didn't like people talking like that. There was a number of prophets who were killed, Saul and half Isaiah, yeah. right? Uh, because he, he said stuff like that. And so uh, they didn't like it. And yet there were um, there were many sources that gave these very same prophecies. Uh, King David was one of them uh, when he penned Psalm 22, one, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar to anybody who quotes that very same verse? Jesus. Where did he quote it from? The cross. We know that Psalm 22 was a prophecy of the cross itself, but it's coming from the perspective of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I'm going to read a few of the verses for you. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. Verse 6 it says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. In verse 14 it continues, it says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. These are the things that the men of old looked into and they were in wonder over them. They didn't understand. They, 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 they couldn't quite comprehend. And it was years. You look at the Talmud. You, you, you look at the Mishnah. And, and there's a lot of commentaries about this kind of stuff. They even for, at one time believed that there was two messiahs. One that would suffer and die. And one that would rule and reign. they didn't know what to do with this. They didn't comprehend this whole concept that Christ was, he had to die for us and that he was going to come back from the dead, even though King David talked about it. Remember he said, my, my anointed one will not see corruption. And it, the, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, the author there comments on that saying David did see corruption. His body did die and rot. He did see corruption. So he wasn't talking about David. Who was he talking about? The Messiah. The Messiah, this hope for the salvation of our souls, right? And you know, if you if you want more information on this salvation and, and and the reason you know reasons for us to glory in God, uh, all you have to do is go to Isaiah 53. It's the holy of holies uh, in the Old Testament. Do you know Isaiah 53 is the only Old Testament scripture that the Jews will not read in their synagogues? Did you know that? Why not? Why won't won't they read this in the synagogues? Well, uh, verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Ooh, this is making me uncomfortable. This doesn't seem kosher. Uh, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation for he was cut off. That's that same word uh, that was in Daniel 9 also. Uh, from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. Now you can't say that, you know, people, the Jews try to say, oh, you know what, you know, that's speaking of Jerusalem itself, of Israel itself, but Israel died for its own transgressions, never for somebody else's, right? And, and this is the part where it gets really uncomfortable. It says, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him; he was put, uh, he has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, that's the Lamb of God. He shall see his seed; he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay. If you talk to most Jews to this day, if you read that passage from him, don't tell them it's from Isaiah 53. If you just read it to them and ask them. It, is that from the Old Testament or the New Testament? Is that from uh, from your Bible or from my Bible? And they'll probably say, oh, that's from your Bible. And you say, who's it talking about? Jesus. And then you say, oh, actually, this is from Isaiah the prophet. And they'll be like, because like I said, they, they don't read this. They, they They read the whole Old Testament except this verse, this chapter. They completely skip it because they don't have anything. Their rabbis have not been able to come up with anything to justify this. Anything that's credible, I should say. And so what do they do? They, they read every other verse in their synagogue. They do not read this. Okay, these are the things that these men of old sought out. These things they looked into. These things they inquired after. These things you know, tantalized them and probably drove them a bit nuts. Trying to understand how can this be? How can this be? And, and, and they were like investigators seeking out the clues, searching them, trying to understand them because the, the, the spirit of Christ in them was stirring their hearts to it. Okay. Verse 12, it says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven Things which angels desire to look into. Guys, here's the thing. They were looking through a telescope and they were searching the horizon for something. Anybody ever been out on the ocean? And you can, you, you can understand the curvature of the earth when you're out on the ocean, especially when you can't see land anywhere and there can be a boat pretty close to you and you can't see it because it's actually below the curvature. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, as it starts getting closer, it's not just like starting small and getting bigger. You can actually see it rising. Okay. For them, it's like they're searching the horizon out on the ocean and they can't see it. They're waiting. They're waiting. Where is this? Where is this grace? Where is this thing that's going to lead to such glory? Where is the suffering of the Christ? I I I don't understand it, but they were looking for it. Guys, in Jesus' day, his disciples... Well, guess what? It came up. They saw it. There's Calvary. There's the grave. There's the empty tomb. Here's the angels. Oh, my goodness. Christ is in the meeting hall with us now, but the doors were locked. How did that happen? I don't know. Okay? The disciples had all of that, but now you think, gosh, I would have loved to have been a disciple. Wouldn't you? Who here would love to have been in that day? That would be pretty awesome, huh? To see Jesus, walk with them, talk with them the whole bit. But you know what? Jesus said... That you are more fortunate than they. That you have a greater blessing in your life. Why? Because Jesus was in one place at one time, right? He was a man. And so when he sent the 12 out, guess what? Jesus was still here in Nazareth. He was doing his circuit, teaching everybody. And the disciples, they went out. And they did their thing and Jesus wasn't with them. And then eventually Jesus said, hey, you know, I've got to go. He says, but it's good that I go because if I don't go, then the comforter won't come. The Holy Spirit will not come because he is the Holy Spirit of God who is going to dwell in you. And he is going to be the power, the dunamis in your life to allow you to be that great witness, to allow you to do incredible works for God who will keep you until the day of glorification. So you and I are actually have a greater blessing. We have more accountability, more responsibility than even the disciples. I mean, think about it. Judas Iscariot. You know, he betrayed the Lord and he knew, he saw, he understood, he experienced, he tasted and saw that these things were good. And yet he wanted silver more than he wanted righteousness. Okay. Okay. You guys have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. And when we look at these things that these prophets longed to, to understand, for us, it's in the rearview mirror, isn't it? This is an old hat. We understand it. And, and not only that, but you look at like Daniel, who the, the books were closed. He, he didn't have the revelation. He didn't understand. Guess what? The book of Daniel is open. It's not closed any longer. It is open. As far as I, as I can see, there's only a few things in the scriptures that are closed right now that, that we don't understand yet. That's some of the stuff that has to do with the end times in the, the 70th week of Daniel and what the seven thunders uttered. Okay? That's pretty much it. Pretty much everything else within the scriptures are open to this generation. Right? The understanding of The Messiah coming and becoming a man living among us, being tempted in every way as we were tempted, but living the perfect life, sacrificing himself for us that we might have life with him. We understand all of it, right? This is stuff that you learn in Sunday school as a kid. So what do we do? How will we respond to this grace which has come to us? Will we be like the Bereans? Remember the Bereans? Book of Acts? Paul said about them, he says, they were more noble than I think it was the Thessalonians. Why? He says, because they heard the word gladly with an open mind. And yet they didn't just take it. Oh, oh, okay, great. That's awesome. Well, I guess Jesus is the Lord. No, they, they, they heard it with an open mind and then they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. Okay. So are we like the Bereans Or will we be like sideline Christians who accept anything any teacher pawns off on us? Now, I say that because Jesus said of the end times when his disciples said, Lord, how will we know? What will be the signs? The very first thing Jesus said is don't be deceived. That means in the end times, there's going to be a lot of false doctrine. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to curb you to one side or to the other. And so what do you do? Do you just believe anything that anybody tells you or do you search the scriptures? Do you look like these men looked? I mean, think about those prophets. They didn't know the promises weren't for them. They were for a generation, generation after generation beyond them, 490 years beyond them. 483, close enough, right? But like a long way away, it was off in the horizon.